Hey guys, GBC podcast number 47. I'm Courtney Wise. I'm Shane Blankenship. Shane, there is this idea out there that you can follow Jesus and you could be of the faith, but not necessarily believe everything the Bible says. What mm-hmm. do you think about that? <laughs> loaded I, question. I think it's a very loaded question. Um, because, um, so, so I guess let me start with this. I believe every word that the Bible says. Um, and... Yeah, so so um, as we get into this discussion, and as you're listening, um, I, you know, don't don't think that I don't believe what the Bible says. I believe that the Bible is the um, infallible Word of God. Um, so every, every every word of it, and I preach from it and preach it all the time. Yep. Okay, but w- when you say that, yep. I'm with you, and uh-huh. I mean obviously, like you're way farther along on your spiritual path than me. But I'm like, um, I believe what it says, but it's also hard to believe. It's yeah. difficult for my human brain to wrap around it. Yeah, so I'm absolutely. just prefacing it by just this whole thing to say that I sometimes am like, what? <laughs> yeah, so some some things I think in the Bible are very are, are much harder to understand, uh, harder to comprehend, mm-hmm. harder to wrap our mind, minds around. At the same time, um, and just think about it from this angle, you've got um, just in the pro- Protestant evangelical tradition um, a thing called Calvinism, right? Um, and you've got uh, you know the the popular kind of rising five point Calvinist, which most people know the term, but they have no idea what it means, and we're not even going to get into it because it would take up way too much time to even go through this. It would make my um, eyes. And then you've got like three-point Calvinists, people who agree with three points of the tendons of Calvinism, not the full five points of them. Um, And so even there, you've got two groups of people Mm -hmm. who believe every word the Bible says, but interpret it differently, see it differently, see faith differently. Um, I mean, to the point that there's two... Very different schools. I mean, it's like two opposing uh, yeah. churches, I guess I should say. We're just, if we're just talking about evangelical Protestant interpretation like of the Like people that believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah. not even two different. I mean, you'll have these people in the exact same church, wow. you know, that see it or, or believe it differently. I think so, that's a really good point. It, it, I think because we can all, yeah. Okay. You got Church of Christ to see you much differently than yeah. the Baptist Church. The Church of Christ was born out of the Second Great Awakening, which happened in Logan County, Kentucky. Um, believe it or not, that, it, that you know certainly ran all over the United States, really over throughout the Western world. Um, that's where the Church of Christ movement was born um, out of that movement. So you know this isn't this isn't really in the context of history that long ago. But the Church of Christ said, um, you know, one of the one of the strong tenets that came out of that was no instruments in the church, mm-hmm. um, because you don't see that in the New Testament, only in the Old Testament. Um, so you don't see any instruments, which you know I, I don't agree with that. But that's what that was one of the things that came out of it. And the other thing was that baptism is required for salvation. That if you're not baptized, then you're not really saved, um, which I don't agree with either. But that. Is you know those those are churches all over Warren County, all over where we live right now. There's there are Church of Christ churches, and at the heart of their theology, that's what they believe. So there you go. You got two different groups of people. Let's call them Southern Baptist, and because there's a bunch of different flavors of Baptist out there. But let's go Southern Baptist, and let's go um, Church of Christ. You got two people who believe the Bible and every word that the Bible says, but two completely different interpretations of what that means. So, now take an unbeliever, someone who, no kidding, for real, does not believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to tell them that they need to believe the Bible. This is the starting point. Um, you believe the Bible because they already don't believe it. They already think that's crazy. Um, and if you can come to believing it, um, then you can become a follower of Jesus. 
I'm talking about starting point here, remember? Because I already said, I believe every word of it to be true. So, okay, let's start with that setup. Then, well, whose version do they need to believe? You're right. Your version, my version, Church Christ version, Lutheran version, Roman Catholic version, um, Eastern Orthodox version. Whose interpretation do they need to believe before they can start being a Christian? Uh, Mesiotic Jewish version? Because maybe that's the rawest version? I don't, like, I don't know. Um, so for that to be a starting point, um, that's a good question. Starting point of faith, that is. All right, now go a step further. Let's back up to the first 300 years of Christianity, the first 300 years of our faith, the first 300 years after the resurrection. There was no B-I-B-L-E. What, what was there? What, what did they have? Well, they certainly had the Old Testament scriptures, which even, um, you know, if you take the Old Testament uh, scriptures that we call, that would be, um, I guess, the Hebrew B-I-B-L-E, the like, Hebrew Is it Bible. called the Torah? Am I? Um, yes. Well, the Torah is the first five books. Um, so if you take the first five books, the books of Moses, and the, you have the Torah and the prophets and the law, you combine all, all of that, you got the Hebrew scriptures, right? Um, but then they have... They have books in the Hebrew Scriptures that we don't have in our Old Testament. Right. Um, so you've got First and Second Maccabees, which we don't have. We that those were taken out when the Bible was being canonized, right? When it's being created as we know it today. Matter of fact, um, the Roman Catholic Bible is different from the Protestant Bible. There's a few. Uh, there are a few uh, books, if you will, that are in there that are not in ours um, from that whole canonization process. So you know. Who's, whose book are you using um, at the same time? You know, which Bible is the Bible? So I think it's important to understand, but for the first 300 years, there was none. But you had the Hebrew Scriptures. You also had all these letters, right? Especially after you get past, you know, when you get to 70 A.D. 70 A.D. is when the temple at Jerusalem fell. Um, and we know that everything in our canon was written before that because nobody mentions it. I mean, this was such a monumental historical event, it would have had to have been mentioned in Acts. It would have, you know, certainly Paul would have talked about that. Um, these, you know, all these folks would have talked about the fall of the temple, because one, Jesus predicted it. And then in 70 AD, it happened. Rome came in and totally destroyed. And, you know, Judaism ended on that day, like, like the biblical version of Judaism that we, you know, that Jesus um, kind of grew up in, that the disciples grew up in, that we read about, like that ended on 70 AD. Since 70 AD, there has been no sacrifice, no animal sacrifice mm -hmm. for the forgiveness of Jewish sins um, because the temple was destroyed and sacrifice could only be done at the temple. So that raises a whole bunch of questions in and of itself. So, so all that, and I know maybe I'm getting a little broad because uh, we could spend a lot of time on that too. That means Acts. That means Romans. That means First and Second Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, First Peter, Second Peter, um, you know, First Timothy, Second Timothy, First John, Second John, Third John, Revelation. We just really want to see if like, you know your Bible. All all of these books, and I didn't even name them all. Hebrews. Like you know, there's there's several that I missed out. I wasn't going in order by any means. Certainly all the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of that was written before 70 AD, which was part of like the litmus test that got it into the canon. Why? Because they were all written in times of eyewitnesses. Um, those letters were all written in the Gospels that, that got included in our canon, were all written during the time of eyewitnesses, that there were still people alive who saw the resurrected Jesus. There were still people alive who saw the crucified Jesus. There were still people alive who knew the stories firsthand. And so these letters got put in there 
because they weren't discredited. Like there's no other document saying, oh, wait a minute, hold on. That no, didn't that, happen. That didn't yeah. happen. I was there. I saw that. Well, um, it's kind of like World War II, you know, knowing somebody that was either there on D-Day or fought or something. It's like that population is mm-hmm. getting smaller and smaller, unfortunately. Absolutely. But it's the same thing. Like we can talk to them and get a first hand. Yep. So I'm um, yeah, same thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so, okay, so I'm saying all that to say, so those letters were out there. The Gospels were, were out there at some point. Um, the letters to the churches, they were out there, but not in the B-I-B-L-E. Because there was no B-I-B-L-E, not until 300 A.D., not until the, the, you know, the Roman Empire becomes the Holy Roman Empire. So for the first 300 years, if you wanted to know what Paul said to the church at Galatia, you had to go to the church at Galatia um, and get a copy of or look at the original uh, version of the, what Paul wrote and go, oh, this is what he said to the church at Galatia. This is what he said to the church at Rome. And this is what he said to the church in Ephesus. And this is what he ch- said at the church at Colossae. And this is... You would have to go there because that's where the letters went. Um, those letters were recopied, um, obviously preserved, and then eventually end up in our what we call the Bible. Now, oh, sorry. Well, this puts a little bit of perspective for me at least, and, and I might be wrong, so please feel free. But I think like a couple of times in our podcast, we were talking about Elijah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said... You know, Elijah grew up kind of like in the rugged mountains. Yep. And what, you know, how did he learn about Jesus back then? And I think we talked about it, and you were like, his mom and dad must have shared some of the writings with him. Is this all before, like during the 300 years where there was no B-I-B-L-E? Because that's First Kings, right? Oh, that's way before. That's before Jesus, First Kings. Okay, so so am I right saying that like someone like Elijah, like he didn't have the Bible. He had maybe some writings. He yeah, had his no, mom no, no. and dad. So, so, so Elijah, um, and your, you know, your, a lot of your stories, uh, after the old, you know, the old Testament, especially, um, first five books on, um, you know, it, like the norm of the day was for children to be taught the Bible. So one thing that most people don't know is the Hebrew Bible is written to be sung. So you said that during Elijah's pot. Yes. Yeah, I probably did. Okay. So, um, and I don't, I don't know how to read it, but you know, we can open up my Hebrew Bible and it'll all be Hebrew to us. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, in my Hebrew class, my first Hebrew class, anyways, my first Hebrew instructor, um, uh, which he did it for the first two years that I took it, um, whenever he would read from it, he would sing from it. Um, and that makes perfect sense because, I mean, like, how many songs do you know? Um, you know, how many songs do you know? And if it started playing, you could start singing every word, but you haven't seen it since 1989, you know, 1991. <laughs> like, you memorized back in the day, and you know that. Well, that's how Hebrews memorized Scripture. That's how they preserved it. That's how they knew it was written to song. Um, so what is completely foreign to us was practical to them. So really good Hebrew children... I mean, they can know the first five books of the Bible, um, you know, our Bible, the first five uh, books, the, the law of Moses, you know, by the time that they're 10 years old. And then they would go on and learn more. Of course, when, you know, Elijah's being written, um, that Bible, the Hebrew Bible, the scriptures are much smaller, right? Um, because um, yeah, First and Second Kings is written after Maybe maybe started during, but certainly after the life of Elijah, because that's where his life is recorded at. Um, so anyways, so all that, uh, like, yeah, that's that's how they learned it. That's how they knew it. And then, of course, God is speaking directly to Elijah, which is why we have prophecies of Jesus coming from Elijah. Like, God is speaking to him through him, and he's writing this down. He's recording it um, so that, you know, whatever, 600 years later, 500 years later, 
Um, and people go, oh, wait, look, this was prophesied through the prophet Elijah. God spoke this about Jesus or Ezekiel or Jeremiah or, you know, you, you name them. Um, and then we look ahead, Zechariah uh, is a great example who prophesies the first coming and the second coming. Um, and they were written down and recorded. And, um, and then we have that evidence these years, you know, you know, here we are 2,000 years later talking about it, but certainly they were um, those 500 years later, those you know, 600, 700 years later. Um, th- to come back, though, to that first 300 years of Christianity, you know, they've got the Hebrew Scriptures, the New Testament that we have, they, those letters were out there, but what even before the letters? What even before? Okay, so... For everybody who's still following along with us, listen to this. This is from Galatians chapter 2. Galatians. And I'll make a point, and then we'll talk about maybe a a better starting point than trying to believe every single word of the Bible. Maybe I can convince you. Here's what Paul says. So Paul, Galatians chapter 2. Actually, no, let me back up. Galatians chapter 1. Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. Mm-hmm. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ, um, which that happened on the road to Damascus. How do we know that? We read about it in Acts, right? So Paul's talking about it here to the church at Galatia. We know the story because Luke wrote about it in Acts, and Luke traveled around with Paul. And so, remember, Jesus appeared to him on the road. And he was blinded, um, yes. And he was blinded for three days. That's exactly right. Um, Listen to verse 13. For you have heard of my previous way of life. This is like as he's on the road, right? In Judaism, how I intensely, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. Because that's what Paul was doing, right? He was going around, and he is there when Stephen is murdered, when he was stoned. And he is there to give his approval of the stoning, right? Destroying mm-hmm. the church. I was advancing in Judaism beyond my uh, beyond many Jews my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son, Jesus, in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So now Paul's even recognizing this is the way I was going, but then Jesus came to me. I was blinded by the light, like literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is recognizing now that God had this plan from the moment I was conceived in my mother's womb, like from the very beginning. He says, when that happened, I did not consult any man, verse 17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see how those who were apostles before I was, but I immediately went into Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stay with him for 15 days. Okay. So, Paul leaves after he is converted, right? After, after Jesus tells him to go, and he goes to preach the gospel. With what? No B-I-B-L-E. Oh, right. Doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no New Testament. Paul's going to write them, and he has yet to do it. This is in the very beginning, early stages. So he goes, and he's making disciples, and he's preaching the gospel for the first three years before he ever even gets to Jerusalem. He, had no, he didn't use any... any he just used what happened to him on the road to Damascus, correct? He uses the message of Jesus, like the resurrection of Jesus. Like Paul's got, Paul's got Old Testament memorized. He's a Pharisee, Pharisee among Pharisees. 
He's able to take all that that he knows from the Old Testament and go, look, it is fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus came. He fulfills this text and this text and this text. The one we've been waiting for, he's come. He's been crucified for our sins. He's been raised from the dead. Put your faith in him. This is the way to eternal life. So the gospel that Paul is preaching is the resurrection of Jesus. And he is winning converts, converts from the Gentiles especially, right? He's going to the Gentiles because they have no Ju Judaic background. Like the Jewish background is irrelevant to them. They are Gentiles, just like me and you, just like probably most, if not every one of our listeners here. But what is he preaching then? If he doesn't have the B-I-B-L-E to preach to them, what is he preaching? He's preaching Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected for the forgiveness of sins for eternal life. That's what he's preaching. Well, and so earlier before we started recording is where you said, well, Andy Stanley said that mm -hmm. that's where you start with. If, if you are mm -hmm. someone that's saying, I've got Jesus, I don't need the Bible, or maybe you don't read the Bible every day. Maybe you don't even believe every word in the Bible. Whatever, whatever camp you were in, it does not matter Yeah. for the sake of conversation. How do you start with the resurrection? Because for me, I find that a difficult place to start. But I wouldn't know also where to start anyway, so just yeah, tell me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I mean, I don't guess I know the specific answer um, for that, but, you know, I, I don't think it would start as a random, like, let me tell you about the resurrection right. of Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, I think it starts more practically, like when someone, I mean, there's, there's, certainly, there's certainly great opportunities, I think, to start having a conversation about faith. Um, and that's when someone's going through a crisis. Mm -hmm. It's a great time. That's when someone is... Um, you know, not only are they going for a crisis, but they're looking for hope. They're looking for help. That's always a great time um, to talk about faith. Um, and if you're going to talk about Jesus, and why does it matter? Because he rose from the dead. And that's a starting point. So kind of the way that Andy puts it is, um, or, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing, so don't, I'm not trying to put words in Andy Stanley's mouth, but one of the ways that he puts it is, um, if a man can uh, predict his own death, and then his own resurrection, and then they kill him just the way they, he said that they would kill him, and then he would rise from the dead just the way he said that he would rise from the dead, I'm, I'm going to believe what he says. Mm -hmm. I'm going I'm to believe what he says. And again, you know, now we get into the historicity of the Bible because people would argue, well, you can't, you know, you know about that because of the Bible. Yeah, today, but there was no Bible then. Um, so how do people know about it? They knew about it from the eyewitnesses, the people who saw it happen, who continued to pass that on. Um, the, the historians would, you know, even argue people, you know, hist historians who aren't even Christians would even argue, um, the historicity of the Bible and that it could be trusted. You know, the disagreement I think for the longest time is who is Jesus? You know, is he really the son of God to which those of us who belong to him say, absolutely, absolutely. he's the son of God. And furthermore, if he's not, then he was a lunatic because he claimed to be the son of God. So if you're trying to say that he's not that, then that's kind of hard. Now, once you come to faith, I think the Bible is very important. I think that you need, you need the scripture to know. I mean, the one way that we can for sure know who Jesus is, what he was like, what he did, is from Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Mm -hmm. Right? Because you get the account from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the gospel accounts of the story of Jesus. Um, 
at least the parts that the, the, the Holy Spirit is revealing to us through them. You get, you know, how how Christ is interacting with his early church through Paul and through Peter and through John and through James and whoever the author of Hebrews is. Like you, you get interaction from these guys and the Holy Spirit working through these guys, leading that early church from the New Testament. So I think it's absolutely useful and I think it's absolutely helpful. But if you're trying to convince someone um, of the flood or Jonah being swallowed by a belly, you know, it, you know, by, you know, and kept inside the belly of a well for three days. Like if, if that's the starting point, look, you need to believe Jonah got swallowed by a well <laughs> and then lived in there for three days and the well spit him up. Um, and that's just, that's it. <laughs> and if you, if you believe that, then you can become a Christian. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. Right. Um, <laughs> you become a Christian through faith in Christ Jesus, which Paul argues again and again and again. Like the, the willingness to believe in something that's not seen. That's right. Right now. Now, but let me deal with Jonah for those who are still with you, just in case it's pushing your redneck buttons. You know why you should believe the story of Jonah? Tell me. Not because the Bible says it. You should believe the story of Jonah because Jesus said it, mm-hmm. which I know you would argue, well, that's in the Bible. That's exactly right. But Jesus talks about the faith of Jonah. Jesus, because Jesus talks about it, I, I'm good. I, I can believe it. Why? Because that man was the God man who predicted his own crucifixion and then rose from the dead three days later. And I'll believe whatever he says. Mm-hmm. So he talks about Noah. He talks about Abraham. He talks about Moses. He talks about Jonah. Stories that we would go, man, I don't know if I can believe that. Or man, that's a little far-fetched. Or why don't things happen like that today? I don't know. I don't know the answer to all that. All I know is that Jesus talks about it. And if Jesus, who predicted his own death and then rose three days later from the dead, says it, I can get behind that. Well, and I guess there's an argument, too, if that's the right word, is like, well, maybe people don't get swallowed by whales and spit back up um, like Jonah did. But I think things happen now that are unexplainable mm-hmm. that never could have happened back then just because of where we are in time and stuff. And yeah. so, like, the argument can be in reverse. Like, they they would have loved to have seen this happen. They, yeah, They absolutely. would have loved to have seen this sign from God. You know, like, I watched something the other day. Um just a quick, quick example, but just like the seismic activity that's happened over like the last thousand years. And it was really interesting. It was like very, like, you know, very uh, subtle at first, but just over like the last however Uh many years, it's like boom, 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 boom. And although we don't feel those, like not especially in Kentucky, you know, but we do hear of like the tsunami warnings here and there was an earthquake here and Mm -hmm. we do hear about it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that means anything. I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but I do know that maybe back in the day when they would look for signs, they would look up in the stars, they would look at the ground. I mean, that would, would have been, could have been a sign that they just would have been praying for but instead Jonah got swallowed by a whale yeah yeah <laughs> and that was sure. their sign well and um a funny story um or interesting story maybe um I think it was last year I, I feel like it definitely had to be within the last year because that's I read an article uh that popped up on my apple news feed about a diver they got swallowed by a whale stop and then spit up again like several hours later uh, got swallowed by this whale, and and then the whale, you know, finally let him let him go. I mean, maybe realized that it had a diver inside, but God, dude, got swallowed literally by a whale. Um, you know, I'm gonna need to read that story. Oh, it's a cool story. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, there's a present day kind of Jonah story that the guy was inside and did survive, 
Anyways, well, there. Um, I mean, then these things do happen. I just think we don't hear about them maybe like, no, like no, we I, used to or whatever. But, you know, Shane, it's like we're living in this age of information. We can find anything. We can really believe anything. You know, you, you Dr. Google, right? You're yeah, like, oh, absolutely. my knee hurts. And then you just figure it out. Um, but, yeah, we have a hard time believing something that's kind of um, withstood the test of time yeah. that, that's – like you said, prophecies have been predicted. We've got someone predicting their own death, and then he raised from the dead, Lazarus. You know what really gets me is when I watch. You guys know I love Priscilla Schreier, her whole family. Yeah. But um, during Christmas time, she had that movie, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the Road to Jesus or something. But anyways, yeah. their whole family goes into um, just Jerusalem, and there's a sign out like sticking outside of a rock, and it says Lazarus's um, tomb, tomb. Yeah. and I was like. How can it still even be that? Like, I don't, I haven't seen it. You know, I've yeah, not yeah, been yeah. there. I mean, like, it's, um, I haven't seen something so ancient, you yeah, know? Yeah. And then I guess you can go and see where, like, the tomb of Jesus was. Of course, he's no longer there. And then she says on the wall in Jesus's tomb, um, he is not here. And she's yeah. like, I, cr-, she's been there three times. She's yeah, like, yeah. I cry every time because it's, we just don't get to, in America, we don't see anything so ancient. Yeah, that's right. But, I mean, it's like, well, the Bible says, it says it's there. Mm-hmm. It's, it it's says there. it happened, and then you go there. I can't even imagine seeing it. Yeah, well, and so here's another um, interesting perspective, or I think it's interesting. Um, and um, i trying to think of the guy's name now. It'll come to me. Um, maybe I've got one of his DVDs over here. Sorry. It's okay. I'm looking at... Oh, Ray Vanderland. Um, Ray Vanderland, um, he makes a great... Like, he... I don't think he does them anymore, but he used to do these tours of, um, you know, Jerusalem and and uh, the Holy Land and, you know, places where Paul oh. traveled and all this. Um, and some of the videos that I've watched, of course, they're, you know, they're all older, but they're incredible. But he makes a point one time. This is a powerful point. He says, we, there is not one stone in all of the Holy Land that we for sure know that Jesus stepped his foot on. Like we can assume he walked this way, but we don't have the evidence of not one stone. The tomb, that's only by tradition. We don't know 100% for sure that the tomb that everybody goes to to say this is where Jesus was um, buried and this is where he you know, rose from the dead from. We don't know 100% for sure that that's actually it. We only believe it or trust it by tradition of the church that preserved it since, you know, for the last 2,000 years. Um, so we know it's there. And I think, you know, one of the points that Ray Vanderland makes is that so that nothing becomes sacred but him. He is the sacred That's, one. He is the, yeah. like, it's, he's the point. You know, we don't have the, you know, where's the shroud of Turin? Where's the, where's the crown of thorns? Where, where is all that? We don't know. We don't have a clue. Where was the cup that he used at the Last Supper? I don't know. But that way, nothing becomes enshrined and, and, and sacred. He is the only one. Um, it's the person of Jesus. Um, that's interesting. Fully God, fully way. human, that's Jesus. But, but you know, uh, recently, like literally within the last year, for sure, they uh, started, they, they have uncovered and they're excavating. Um, my assumption is that it's continued to be underway. But they're excavating the synagogue at Capernaum. That's where Jesus taught all kinds of messages. They're excavating it? Yeah, they found the ancient synagogue at Capernaum. Um, Capernaum, um, Capernaum, I don't know how other people say it. Um, Capernaum is, um, like, that's the base, right? That's where Peter's from. That's 
that's where Peter's mother-in-law lives. That's really, I, I really would like to see that. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can look it up. That, that's just, that's happened within the last, maybe last two years, but I think it's probably been the last year that they found the synagogue at Capernaum. Um, mm. And they're excavating the ancient synagogue. So we know Jesus taught there. 100% no. He taught so much. Well, that's something just there. kind of little, not I mean, little in perspective. That I mean, like the Bible talks about it, you know, several different times, citing the people that, the, you know, the times that they were there. And I'm like, well, and then we can actually go t- like touch it, see it, yeah, feel it. It's, um, you know, back to what you were saying. We may not know exactly what stones Jesus walked on, but yeah. by golly, we do know because it's in the Bible. I mean, that's like reading a history book. Like we know that World War II happened and, and, and we know that on the the beach, like Normandy happened and we know thousands of guys, like we know that, but you and I weren't there. That's right. So, I mean, is it not the same thing? We trust our history books and we trust the people that are still living that can tell us that. And I realize that we don't have anybody from 2000 years ago, but to me, it's, it's hard to not believe the Bible. And especially another thing I was going to say, this is a little off, off a side shoot. It's like when I'm reading the Bible, I guess I'm so in, um, captured because I, I read it once and I'm like, okay, I get it. And I read it again and I read it again. And the more I read it, the more obsessed with God that I get because he's so mysterious mm-hmm. and so many, um, things start to connect. And so I read the Bible and I'm like, how can you not? How yeah. can you not? Because it, the picture just gets more and more and more clear. It, it doesn't get less clear and That's I right. don't have l- less questions as I keep reading the Bible. So how could it, how could following Jesus and reading every word in the Bible not go hand in hand is kind of yeah, the I only think, thing I could I think, argue. I think it has to go hand in hand. I think, again, and that's why I think there's got to be a difference between following Jesus and starting point. Um, the starting point of faith and following Jesus, we're talking about two different things. Just like we're talking about two different things when we talk about sanctification and salvation. Uh, there's yeah. a salvation moment. Um, sanctification is a process that takes the rest of our, our life, the rest of our journey, right? Where God is making us like his son. Um, so, you know, you got two different things there. I think coming to Christ is one thing. I think following him, you have to have the Bible. Um, you you got to have the New Testament. you got to have at least Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, you get, if you want to know what God is like, then, then, then we got to have the Bible. We can't, we can't not have uh, his word. And again, his word is what continues to reveal who he is, what he's like to us, so that we can continue to reveal that to other people. But it's not just the words on the page, because um, you've got your own personal experiences of how God has moved mm-hmm. and the ways God has worked, and so do I, and so do everybody who follows Jesus. They have Jesus stories of how God has worked in their own life. So we can know what about God from the text. We can know who he is or what he's like maybe is a better way to, to 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 word that from the text from the bible it is that time with him it is that faith in following him it is that time in prayer where we get to know who he is and i'll make my point with jesus jesus um the gospel of matthew the 23rd chapter says not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven only um those who have done the will of my father. Only those who have been obedient um, to the will of God. And he talks about on the, on, on, the, on the day of judgment. He says, and on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. Um, and he'll say, away from me, I, don't, I, I never knew you. And you said it's the scariest verse in the Bible. It's the scariest verse in the Bible. And then, um, and, but they protest. But Lord, we, we, we prophesied. We preached. We told people about you. In your name, we heal people. In your name, we called out demons. Because when's the last time you called out a demon? Yeah. We called out demons in your name. And Jesus says, 
but I never knew you. Now, how in the world is it possible to know all about him, to work for him, but not know him? So I think it's, I think it's both. I think you've got to have that time with God, time alone with God, in his word, in prayer, in practice. Taking, taking nothing out of scripture and not putting anything also into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you read, just read that to me before we got started in Galatians. Yeah. Um, well, I, so sometimes when we're talking, we talk about Paul so much that I say pray for a Damascus moment in mm-hmm. your life. And I don't know whose book it was that I was reading over the last year or so, but um, I'm sure it was probably Priscilla Schreier. But um, <laughs> they, whoever it was said... Um, well, I think it's a song too. Start right here. Mm-hmm. You know, um, do do something different. I think I've said that before in the podcast. And so, I think that when you have that Damascus moment or Red Sea moment mm-hmm. or some of these big moments that we're talking about, um, it, you know, you feel so strongly led by the Holy Spirit that you really only want to please Him. And I can't, I can't imagine that that wouldn't also be just having your nose in the Bible as mm-hmm. much as you po- you possibly Absolutely. could. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I love CrossFit. I love yeah. CrossFit. I have been doing it for 10 years. I teach it. I own one. I love CrossFit. I yeah. think lots of people should do CrossFit. <laughs> yeah. um, I oftentimes find myself reading extra articles mm-hmm. or trying to see if I can get a different certification um, because I, wa- I want to know more and I want to be better. So, I, when I think about it in that context, I'm like, isn't it just natural for us to love something, mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. horse racing, whatever, yeah, we're and to then it. you go to the library or whatever, and you, you get a book because you want to know more. Like, I, I just, I feel so strongly that it's it's interesting to argue that you, you don't have to have one without the other because it doesn't seem natural. Because like I said, it's so natural for me to want to read about CrossFit and yeah. talk about CrossFit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you got to have one. Um, I, I think you have to have both. Um, and I think maybe, maybe the, the difference is, um, you know, I don't know what, you know, I don't know the point that people are making, you know, follow Jesus and not the Bible. I, I, I don't know, um, you know, exactly what they're trying to say behind that. Cause, cause you could argue all day long that, well, how do you know about Jesus without the Bible? Um, you got to have it to, to know him. Um, so I don't think that you can, I, I think that you, you got to have it. However, that starting point of faith, that moment of salvation um, I don't think that you got to have the Bible for that. Like somebody needed to have the Bible to be able to share the message. Um, but for that person um, to to begin belief in Jesus, to begin following Jesus, um, I, you know, I think that they grow in faith. That process of sanctification is certainly um, realized through the Bible. But gosh, when Jesus calls his first followers, they don't even believe. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, then you really need to go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see how many times Jesus questions his own disciples' yeah. faith. Why do you doubt? He do you still not that. believe? Yeah. Do you still not believe? After all you've seen, do you still not believe? He says it over and over again. Those guys followed him for three years or right there saw the miracles, which is maybe why Jesus goes, <laughs> after all you've seen, right. you still don't believe? Come on, after now. all you've seen me do, after all you've heard me say, you still doubt. Which is a great reflection, I think, we were able to see ourselves in, in, these, in these early disciples. But I would argue all day long that, you know, their life has changed after the resurrection. Yeah. 
And that's why I say I think we have to pray for like a moment like that with mm-hmm. with the Holy Spirit because you do you do get them you know, yep. well I, you just reminded me of something. Um, I, you, we've talked about like your your sphere of influence only lasts for uh-huh. so long. Yeah. I think you've said that a couple different times. Yeah. Um, but I did see something on social media um, this week, and it was like a quote that this person made up, and it was um, something along the lines of. Um, Satan doesn't want to kill you. He wants to distract you. And at the very, Shane, at the very first second that I read it, I was like, oh, that's so good. And in the very next second, I was like, oh, but that's not what the Bible says. Like, right. like, isn't Satan's whole mission to steal, kill, and destroy? That's what Jesus like, says. Wouldn't yeah. he love Satan. for a Christian yeah. to all of a sudden do something that would cause that person to go to hell? And now I accompany Satan for the rest of my life. Yep. You know, I mean, like... So anyways, so I guess my point, and and I don't know what this person meant by it. I didn't click on the thing. I just was like, oh, that's so interesting. But in my mind, I was like, if you're a believer, don't help the enemy, you know, at all. Don't muddy the waters for the rest of us. I mean, we're just trying to find our way through this. We're, We're trying to, you know, do the best that we can, learn as much as we can, and, you know, try to be the church. But, like, don't muddy the waters for the church or for other believers, or for even someone not believing, like, shouldn't be somebody's stumbling block, right? That's right. No, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think, and again, I don't know what the person was saying or what they were trying to say. I don't I think it's, I think it's one hundred percent absolutely clear. Jesus Himself says, um, "The thief, Satan, the enemy, the devil. You know, the thief comes uh, to steal, kill, and destroy." I think distraction is a great technique of the devil. So, but in order to still kill and destroy, distract you. Um, and then ultimately, like if the person is trying to say, I, you know, I don't, I don't think the, I, you know, the, the enemy doesn't want to kill you, like come up behind you and stab you with a knife and kill you, you know, shoot you in the head, mm-hmm. kill you. He wants to distract you from God. Well, I agree, I agree with that because that's, that's what he's trying to destroy. That's what he's trying by destroying our relationship with the father, by destroying our perception of who God is. Um, he kills us. He destroys us, ultimately steals from us and what God has from us by keeping us from the Father. But, that's the enemy's mission. And that's precisely what I'm saying. Don't mm-hmm. don't help the enemy because he, this is that's exactly what he wants. He, a distraction. he doesn't want you to be in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Don't believe the words of that old book. Yeah. No, no, no. God, Jesus would never put those people in a box and say it was wrong. I mean, you know, what, what, whatever the justification is. I mean, uh, to me, it's like, I don't want to help the devil at all, and I do. I do every day. Yep. Listen, yeah. I do every day because I'm a sinner. I get it. But I'm just like, like don't don't make it a difficult thing. Like, get yes. you know, he, here's the Bible. Read as much of it as you can. Let's pray and that you have a, a Damascus moment and and bring people into God. But let's not say you don't need one without the other. Or that Satan is what he's not because he is. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and let's don't contribute to the mission of the enemy contribute, um, yeah. in 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 any way. Um, and let's especially don't do it by spending time in His Word, listening to podcasts. Uh, maybe like you're listening to this one right now. Um, listen to, to whoever your, your your favorite preacher is or whatever. Going to church on Sunday and then doing nothing with our faith. Yeah, like so. And if you d- listen to last week's, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing with your faith? Because knowing Him, knowing our Father in heaven, is only part of it. Um, I'm afraid, like 
you know, Tony Evans talks about one time, Dr. Evans. Um, when His he's in Priscilla Shires. Dad, that's right. <laughs> um, Dr. Evans talks about you know being in seminary and becoming convicted that he was he was knowing so much about. I think we've probably mentioned mm-hmm. this on the pod, on mm-hmm. a podcast before. He's knowing so much about him, learning all this stuff, but not knowing him. Um, and it you got to know him, not just know about him, and then make him known. That's the call. Back to Galatians for just a moment, and then maybe this is a good place to start wrapping it up. And I think I even shared this last week because Paul said, I didn't consult with any man, nor did mm-hmm. I go up to Jerusalem to see uh, those who were apostles before I was. I went immediately into Arabia and then later returned to Damascus for three years. I went out before I even talked to anybody about this and started telling people about Jesus, started sharing the message yeah. of the gospel immediately. So like just for fun, to put this in current terms, I didn't get on social media to ask questions of others, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm reading it yeah, upside absolutely. down. I yeah. didn't post a um, a meme mm-hmm. with my own words on it that said whatever. I yeah, can't think. Ever, I can't think right. of anything, especially reading it upside down. You know, I I went straight. Like I used a bullhorn yeah. to sh- shout. That this is what we should. Be, you know, here's the, the here's the experience that I just had. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah. only God. Yep. I think we should. I think we should all pray. <laughs> For an experience like Paul's that was so life-changing that the first thing that we do do is take a megaphone and be like, y'all got to hear this, you <laughs> yeah. know, instead of having to read through the Bible and and use somebody else's experience. Not to say that we shouldn't because that would back up everything I said. But, I mean, I, th- I think more people have to have a moment of reckoning, a, a moment that they can be like, like put their hat on it, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, this is the moment that changed my life. Yep. And if you have that moment, then I think it's probably hard not to do something with it. Yeah. You know, if you've got that moment where God changed your life, then it's kind of hard to deny. It's kind of hard to, to not do something with it. Because I think when remarkable things happen to us, we tell. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what they are. It's you so know? funny, Shane, because like, I personally don't have a Damascus moment. Like I don't remember a particular time in my life where mm-hmm. I could be like, holy moly, you wouldn't believe what just happened. I mean, I did tell you about the, when the snake crossed my path, it, yeah, and that was yeah. kind of like strange for me. Um, I've told you a couple little things like that, but I think that that's what it is for me, is one little thing. It's like it keeps me satiated enough to hit the next little thing. And then I get another little thing. Yeah, so for me, it's like little stepping stones. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's enough. It's enough to be in it. And this has only been recent in the last, since I've been coming to your church, actually, that I've been having these little moments. But they're enough for me to be just so excited. And like I said, I mean, I'm obsessed with what God is saying because yeah. I feel like I'm getting glimpses of revelation every time I, I do it. And so, so, so maybe, golly, maybe it's not something that you can just be like, listen, I had this one thing happen. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think, I think there are certainly people who have now those, you know, those one things. And I, I can't say that I'm, I'm an example of the Damascus kind of road. I was blinded for three days and like, I don't have that experience, but I've got so many experiences of where I know that God's worked, mm-hmm. where I know that he's moved. Um, and, it's um, like unexplainable stuff. I mean, you've you've shared several times like an email or something that's followed up with like an exact thought that you had. Yeah, or uh, like uh, this week, um, the title of my message this week is Reset. Reset. Um, and it's the idea that's being conveyed in um, uh, in the story of Naaman. Um, it's the idea that's being conveyed when, he, when his skin is restored. It becomes the, like that of a, of a child. Um, it's like it's reset. To Did he have leprosy? He had leprosy, okay, that's yeah. right. Um, 
And um, so I was like, ah, I think I'm gonna call my title that. And so this was on it's on Monday. On Tuesday morning, um, I was listening to a podcast. Um, I think I was listening to a news podcast, and then it, you know, when the news podcast ended, it rolled into the, you know, the next in the queue, uh-huh. and it just automatically queued up. Which was our um, podcast, probably. Which was Jocko, um, <laughs> Jocko Willett. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, he's got like, you know, a lot of his podcasts are like three hours long. Um, but he's got some, and I think they're just called Jocko Underground or whatever, and they're like 10 minutes or 13 minutes. And that's happened to be the one that popped up. And it was called, and he was talking about uh, Control Alt Delete. Remember Control Alt Delete? I totally do. Um, what do you use Control Alt Delete for? Shut down your computer. Yeah, right? you got to reset your computer yeah. on a PC. And so he's talking about reset. And I was like, all right, well, I'm taking that as confirmation. Like yesterday, I'm thinking about this idea of reset. Now today, I know this is, I'm going to, I'm going to, all right, it came up. I mean, what are the chances? Control Alt Delete. I mean, how, how long has it been since you've thought about Control-Alt-Delete mm-hmm. as a reset? I was like, oh, yeah, I, I totally remember Control-Alt-Delete. There's probably kids today that don't have, they don't have a clue what Control-Alt-Delete is. Oh, my gosh, is, no. Know? Like, they're uh, just like, where's the power button? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, anyways, like, but, but for me, I took that as affirmation of a direction that I was moving. Um, control delete, you know? and that's small, but but it's enough. It's 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 enough that you know God's hand is on it, and it's enough to, like I said, keep you kind of going in that direction until the next little one happens. Yep, yes. absolutely. And I mean, you know, Hannah's going to be preaching on Mother's Day here in two Sundays from now, and um, or speaking, or giving her story. Um, I mean, ultimately, um, she's uh, she's sharing her testimony for sure and what God has done um, in her life specifically, which in advertently, I guess, is my You're life You're a byproduct too, you, you of, know? yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's in both of us. But when you hear her tell that story and how God is moving and God's working, like, there's another example of it. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes out in a message, it seems kind of dramatic, um, where it's like this one big aha moment. But, man, these are, these are things that happen little bits over time, you know? You know what? It, that You just brought up a really good point. When you hear, like, Hannah's testimony, which you've read through it, yeah. she only shared with us just, like, one scripture. But it is kind of like watching someone's highlight reel because yep. you get to listen to a 20-minute uh, sermon <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and you're like, oh, my. And, and it does seem like a Damascus moment. But because I've been going to church here for a couple of years, I at least saw a few years of it. Um, not the whole entirety of it, of course, but I I know, and I've also had the same struggle as Hannah, you know, trying to get pregnant and all that kind of stuff. So you do know, it puts, that actually just puts it into perspective. Like when we're listening to her and when we're listening to these people's testimonies and their big moments, like we don't really know, you know, well, just like Elijah, I mean, he had a really big Mount Carmel moment, yeah. but I mean, like, how many years before and how many years after to mm-hmm. like the pinnacle of like when he was standing on there, you know, shouting like at, at these other people's yeah. gods, you know. I don't know how old he was when he went to Mount Carmel, but he was it's 16, 17, 18. He was older. Yeah, yeah. We call him the CrossFit prophet. He was at least old enough to do CrossFit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and so I'm just kind of like, you know, d- just be careful to watch people's highlight reels. And I'm not even talking about social media, but just listening even to their Damascus moments or yep. whatever, because it, it, it has to be condensed into something that we can listen to. Sure. If, and uh, for what it's worth, and, and for what it's worth, if you're listening right now, um, like those... Nobody knows they're in those moments when the moment is happening. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't think people do anyways. Like people don't realize the weight of the of the thing when the thing is happening. Um Miriam doesn't celebrate the crossing of the Red Sea. Miriam is Moses' sister until she's on the other side of it. Yeah, like during it 
What is she thinking? Yeah, when she's in the middle, she doesn't break out the tambourine and start celebrating in the middle of crossing the Red Sea. She's got, when she gets to the other side, and you got to remember, I mean, this we're talking millions of Jews fleeing Egypt, crossing over on dry land. I mean, this is a huge event. This is, this is taking some time. Um, but she don't stop in the middle of it going, oh, wow, look at what God this is, is doing so right cool. now. This is so freaking awesome to be I a part of it. I can see through no. the ocean. It's when she gets to the other side. It's when the pursuing Egyptian army are out in the middle of the Red Sea and God closes the sea up on them. Um, and then they look around and realize, man, God just brought us through that. We just made yeah, that's, that was really that's crazy. when she gets yeah. out the tambourine and starts celebrating. Um, and, they, and they praise God. They praise God after. They're able to look back and look at what God did. And I think it's the way it is for all of us. And I think if you belong to Jesus and you are pursuing a relationship with Jesus, you have moments in your life, you know, coming back to relationship, where you can look back now from where you are, even if you're going through something right now, but you can look back and you've seen how God has moved. You've seen how God has worked. You saw how God answered a prayer that you were asking for a thing and you were praying about a thing and you didn't tell nobody else. No one else knew what you were asking God for and then it happened, then it did it. And then you started talking about it. Um, you know, whether people believed you or not is irrelevant because you know only God could have known this. Only God could have done this. I didn't make it happen. It was out of my power. Nobody else knew. God orchestrated that. And I think those are moments that encourage our faith and build our faith and become stories that we share with the person without hope. The person who's, is there more to life than this? This person is, is this really all there is. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. And all of a sudden, this story of resurrection um, is... You know, um, it has some reality to it in our own lives um, that would open the Bible mm-hmm. more to somebody who maybe uh, is has becoming new to faith. I wish we could end on that song. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Who sings it? Um, you know, you, well, you don't. You listen to 1940s music. Uh, I but about? I know it. Let me tell you about film. my Jesus. He makes a way uh, where there ain't it's no country way. Country music uh, mm-hmm. Christian song. Yeah. I make fun of it all the time. Okay, well, that's the, I love it. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. This was a long one, but hopefully a really good informational one. Okay, we'll see you next week.